The book of Acts chapter 22, if you have your Bibles or your iPads, click over to your Bible app, beginning in verse 1. This is uh, Saul continuing to testify before King Agrippa. He says, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew. Born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As the high priest and all the council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light came from heaven and flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told that you have been, what you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected among all the Jews living there. He stood behind, beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all the people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit. And our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as Pastor Randy comes forward, give him the words that you want our hearts to hear today. Amen. Thank you so much, Eric. Appreciate the worship team and appreciate everyone who's had a part in the services already. Let me just tell you, if you are a young person, you can go ahead and be dismissed to the back. We've got both classes running today. We've got the uh, teenagers and the kids back there. So go on back. Enjoy yourself back there where... Uh, uh, and adults, don't you dare stand up and act like you belong there. You're sitting in here and listening to this sermon I got for you. Hold on. All right. So very good. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of things today. All right. Well, we've been talking about transform, and we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, today is our third day in our transform series, and this is now the third time that we've shared the scriptures from different parts of Acts having to do with Paul's conversion, his Damascus Road experience. Now, I need to print a retraction. Last week, I talked about the one in uh, Acts chapter 22 that we just read being before the Sanhedrin. The truth is, is that he is before the Sanhedrin in the next chapter. And so I was confused. I messed up. I didn't get the fully accurate. He's actually just before some Jewish leaders and some of those who are kind of spokespeople for those who are hardcore as Jews against the Christians that are coming on. And so this is who Paul is giving his defense to today in Acts chapter 22. So in Acts chapter 9, he speaks about it. The narrative is there. It's This is exactly what happened. And then in Acts chapter 22, he speaks it again in front of those who would kind of wonder what happened, and he gives his defense. And then in Acts chapter 26, like we read from last week, 
It is Paul before King Agrippa. And as we talked about this, we've told you in the past, you know, that different parts of Scripture contain things that illuminate the other parts that tell of some of the same story. So as Paul spoke last week, he had some things that he said uh, in Acts chapter 26 that were not mentioned in the previous two, and some things in the previous two that were not mentioned there. It's just the way that it is. It's the way that things go in dealing with a narrative. I tell people different things, and I tell them this part, and then I remember to tell them more, and I tell them this part as well. And so everything kind of shifts and changes as things go along. And when you're just talking, about what has happened. And Paul's life, make no mistake about it, Paul's life is changed so dramatically by his Damascus Road experience. As a matter of fact, I believe that if you were to look at Paul, talk to Paul, and you ask him, he would divide his life into two sections, that that came before the Damascus Road and that that came after. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we see a timeline of his life and it falls about in the middle as best we can tell and as best we know. But Paul's life is never the same from the Damascus Road experience. We know that it was literally decades of change that never let up. It was just a full throttle push to the very end until he was martyred in 64 AD. And so he is a powerful example of a person who takes a transformational moment, a catalyst moment. I don't care how you want to say it, whatever term you want to put on it. I'm sure there's cool terms that I haven't even heard of about, you know, it's a genesis of change and all these cool things that they're talking in Silicon Valley that I'm just too dumb to keep up with and I just don't care enough to keep up with. But you understand it's a moment in time that shifts your way of thinking, shifts your pattern of life, shifts your focus, and it begins to change you dramatically from the inside out. And this is a good reminder that one to remember, if you're going to go through this particular uh, sermon series with us, teaching series with us, and you want to remember a passage of scripture, this one captures so much. It's from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2a. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... You offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. But do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. If you begin to think differently, you will begin to move in a new direction. And we are going to talk today about capitalizing on that and dealing with how people grow. And as a matter of fact, that's from the book that we've been talking about, How People Grow by Dr. Henry Cloud. And he has a couple of quotes that I've been sharing with you. I've shared two of them with you at least so far. I'm going to share a new one with you today. But he talks about how all growth is spiritual growth. But then I love this one. He talks about how God brings life to dead situations. He's not just the creator, but he is the recreator of life. It's the theology of how one overcomes depression or heals a marriage or rescues a failing business career. And then on down in his book later on, he writes these words, and this is where we're going to really land today and really focus today. Action is always an integral part of growth. Spiritual growth does not happen to us. It requires a great deal of blood, sweat, and tears. Now, we'll talk a little bit about the blood, sweat, and tears, but let's just be very clear. And it's, we got to just think about what we already know to be true. I don't have to convince you because you've seen it in your own life. It's not hard to fall down and do worse than you wish you were doing. Can I get an amen? I mean, I don't know why it is this way. But I am really good at doing bad. Can I get an amen, right? Like, I, I don't want to be that way, but that's the easiest thing in the world for me to do. I'm not happy about that. I'm not proud of that. But it just is a perfect example of, you know, it's real easy to fall into something, and it's a lot harder to climb out of something. And for most of us, the change that we want to see where it's more of God and less of me it's very difficult, and it takes a decision and a conscious choice, and it takes repeated action, and it can't just be something that happens to you and grabs you by the, you know, by the arm as you're walking by. It just doesn't work that way. Now, let me just, I'll give you a perfect example. I, hold on just a second. I, I actually, do any of you guys do this where you take a, 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 a bat, you know, you're in the bathroom and you take a selfie. I took a selfie today while I was standing on the scale. This is literally the actual picture of my uh, scale today. 
I know, I know, I know. I know what you're thinking. Randy, what are you doing measuring your weight in kilograms? I will tell you. The reason I'm doing that is because it makes me feel better. That's what you're laughing about, right? Kilograms? Oh. You're thinking pink is not my color. Obviously, this clearly is not me. But how many of you... Okay, don't... Okay. I'm going to say I know a friend of mine who's had this experience that's not fun, but it is enlightening. Have you... You haven't, I haven't, but my friend has gotten on a scale before and gone, what? And I got to tell you, it's, it's revealing. It's not fun, but it's revealing. And sometimes we need to have those moments that aren't fun, but they are revealing. Because the truth of the matter is, is that I, I don't know about you, but I'm a loss. I'm a horrible wreck when it comes to being a good person with my eating habits during the last part of November and all of December and even sort of into January. I don't know. It's like I said, it's probably just a friend of mine, but could I get an amen that you know somebody like that? All right. You understand. And then you look at the scale in January and go, how did we get here? <laughs> Lots of bad choices. One right after the other. That's how we got here. And it is an enlightening moment, but it's not fun. It shows us exactly where we are. And here is the truth. In transformation, this is how we change. There's three different parts of transformation. God's power, other people, and then the internal and external lives both making that change and that shift. And here is the truth of the matter. God's power, one of the things that he does for us is sometimes he reveals who we are. Now, it's all fun and games when we're talking about getting on the scale and we can all laugh and we can all say, yeah, we've been there. But I don't want you to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you to be real honest and let's go a little deeper. Have you ever been there when something came out of your mouth and you go, I can't believe I just said those words? Have you ever been in a place where you said something to someone that you love and you couldn't believe what it revealed that was in your heart at that moment? Have you ever been there where you said this, I would have promised you that this would never happen to me and yet here I am. When this kind of stuff happens, this is the stuff that reveals what is happening in your life and it is not easy, it's not fun, but it is revealing and these also have moments they have the potential to be catalyst moments and change moments forever. I can tell you, <laughs> I can tell you, I've seen pictures of myself and I've been like, oh, I got to do something about that. And it wasn't fun, but it was an opportunity for me to lose some weight, change some habits, go back and do some things differently. And let me just be very clear. It's so important that we recognize the people in our lives the people that are around us and trying to do something that pushes us in a better direction. Now, this is not original. I shared this with you last week, so you can check it out even more from last week if you choose to do it. But I told you guys last week, I'm going to do it again today. Just say this word, these words with me. I'm in a safe space. Can y'all say it? I'm in a safe space. Okay. I know some of y'all aren't into safe spaces. But some of you have maybe had an issue or a problem in your past. If you've ever dealt with some sort of violence against you, it could scare you. So here's the question. Now, if you think to yourself about an individual who is wearing a mask and they come towards you and suddenly you feel your system is not responding the way that it was before because you know that they've given you something to alter your mindset or the drugs in your system and they come towards you with a sharp object in their hand... I could be describing a mugging, or I could be describing this. It's the same exact thing. The difference is the intent. You have people in your life who are able to speak into your life in these catalyst moments. I don't want you to trust somebody who's there to hurt you, to tear you down. 
But here's the incredible thing. Sometimes the people that say those things have just as much truth on their side as those who love you and want to see you heal. But most of us do not listen to what God uses others to say because we don't like the way that they have said it. It's not that it's not true. And I'll be honest with you, I tell this to Shelly all the time. I look at her square in the face and I look at her and say, how dare you be so honest with me? We get a good laugh about it. And it's true. She'll tell me stuff and I'm like, I don't want to hear that about me. But it's true. And it's my moment for change. Or it's my moment to just say, well, whatever. And this is the problem that we run into. This is the problem that we run into. I'm going to put up this next quote from a guy named Seth Godin. He is a business philosopher and he says these words. People don't believe what you tell them. They rarely believe what you show them. They often believe what their friends tell them, but they always believe what they tell themselves, right? So here's the problem. One of the biggest obstacles to your transformation and my transformation is that automatic defense that says, that's not me. That's not me. I don't need to do that. I don't need to change that. They don't understand. They're saying that because they don't understand me. If they knew who I was and where my heart was, they wouldn't say those horrible, truthful things about me. But you know, it's a funny thing. The truth of the matter is, is that no matter how many excuses that we come up with, we're still the ones stuck in the life that we've chosen. I'm going to say that one more time. No matter how many excuses that we come up with, we're still the ones that are stuck in the life that we've chosen. So we have to say, Lord, even if it hurts, let me have that kind of moment where I see myself a little more clearly and I see what you're doing in my life a lot more clearly and I get on that path even when it is difficult or hard. As a matter of fact, Paul talks about this later when he writes the words to the Philippians and he says something, and this is so important. This is why we saying, great are you, Lord, after we said, we want to get out on the waters. And then we turned it to the Lord and we said, but you're the one who's great. This is why. It's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. That means it's him churning up in you. It's you submitting to that and then your life begins to change in a new direction. You go in a new direction. And then we always talk about Psalm chapter 119. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. In other words, it shows me where I'm standing, who I am, where I'm actually at. Not where I think I'm at, but where I'm actually at, and then it's also a light for my path where I need to go. Very quickly, let's keep moving here, and let's get this something to learn. Let's go to this. I shared this with you last week. Paul tells King Agrippa in Acts 26 that Jesus himself spoke to him on the Damascus road. And he said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. We talked about last week, sometimes it was up to an eight foot long spike or pike that they would sharpen on one end. That's where the gigum comes in, right? Okay. And so they would have a farm animal that was working. And when they would choose to not work or barely walk, I I don't know if any of you guys have been, any of y'all have been around farm animals? They have a way of walking about one quarter of the speed that they actually can walk and getting about one quarter of the work done that they can get done. They're like, I'm still moving, but I'm barely moving. But if you look close, I'm still moving. I'm telling you, I had a horse. That's how she would walk. So I'd just click her a little bit with my heels, click, and she'd be like, oh, that's what we're doing? Oh, okay. Not good enough? Oh, okay, here we go. And this is the same way with oxen plowing rows. They would take a goad and they would just give them a little whoop like that. And then Paul hears the Lord say, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. And we talked last week about how a goad hits here and you kick and what you're doing is hurting yourself even more had you just not allowed it to happen and take the advice. You guys understand what I'm saying? 
It's powerful. It's beautiful imagery. Jesus says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. There's stuff in your life and there's things inside of you that you can hear if you listen closely and you know that you're not living right. You know that you're not going down the wrong path, but you're just going to sit there and kick and kick and kick against the goads like you're the one who's going to defeat it. But guess what? Father time and a goad is undefeated. It is true. It's not going to change. It only has the power to change you if you let it. And don't miss this very quickly. I talked about it. If God considered Saul or Paul an enemy, he could have simply taken his life. Instead, God turned his enemy into his ambassador. The truth of the matter is, is that he is for you. He wants you to experience that abundant life, not just one that's barely there. As he turned him into his ambassador, let's just talk about what an ambassador changes. Let's go to this next slide. It says, when they heard Paul speak in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Now, I want to just talk about this for just a quick second. When this passage is telling us in Acts chapter 22 that Paul is before everybody. Now, think about this. This is the ancient world. You didn't know what Paul looked like because he was on an interview that you heard or saw. You didn't look him up on Facebook and know what to expect when he walked in the doors. You've just heard of a guy named Paul and you've never seen his face. So in your mind, you've thought he's a horrible person. He's against the Jews. He hates being a Jew in his past. He's just not one of us anymore. But then do you hear what the very first line says? When they heard him, that's Paul, speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. You know why? I believe this is what's going on. We hate that guy. He's all about the Gentiles. And then he starts speaking in the native tongue of Palestine in that time. And they're like, huh, hold on. Maybe there's something about this man that we didn't know and didn't give him credit for. Do you understand what's going on? He's the ambassador that God sent to speak the language of those who are there not being a part of what God is pulling them towards and pulling them to be. And then it goes on and Paul identifies himself. He's like, I'm a Jew. I was born in Cilicia, brought uh, Tarsus of Cilicia, um, brought up in this city. I studied it under Gamaliel, who is one of the very famous rabbis at that time, thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any one of you are today. And I persecuted the followers of this way, that means Christianity, to their very death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison as the high priest. And all of the council can testify, I was where you are. But things have changed ever since this catalyst moment. Now, before we go any further, we're going to watch a video in just a quick second. But here's what I would say to you. Every single one of you, can be an ambassador for God's change where you are and where you have been. I don't know where you've been. I don't even know exactly where you are. You do. But here's what I would say. God needs you to be the ambassador who goes out there and talks about the change and shows the change that's happening in your life, the transformation that happens because God is in your life, not just once or twice or maybe three or four times a year, but because he is there 24-7, 365, and you're aware of it. You're bringing him in intentionally to be a part of your life. This is the difference, and this is the power of God unleashed and transforming people's lives. It makes you a very, very different thing than you were before, and uh, I thought this video might be a, a good help to kind of show you. Let's check it out. We are like clay, static, unrecognizable, nothing, a formless mass with no direction, no purpose, no meaning. We are like clay, pliable, movable, moldable, in the hands of the Creator, we can be changed made beautiful, given life. Nothing becomes something extraordinary. 
The transformation takes time. The process is tedious, difficult, painstaking. But soon, we see the beginnings of something wonderful. The formless takes shape. The unrecognizable finds its identity. The meaningless is given purpose. From nothing comes beauty. We are like clay, each piece different than the next, given unlimited potential in the hands of the potter. So as we keep moving, let's move on to our second something to learn. Hopefully you gain just a little bit of insight each time we share one of these. During the Damascus Road experience, all saw the blinding light. Everyone saw the blinding light. Everybody that was around Paul saw the blinding light, but only Saul was changed forever. The other men were knocked down. They saw the light from heaven, but Saul alone heard Christ's voice. Now listen, just let me share something with you. I think it's so important that we grasp and understand that our hearts have to be open to hear God. That there are literally Sundays that I know that some people have come and said, do you remember when you preached that message series on whatever, fill in the blank? And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. That's like three years ago. And they say, you know, I've never really looked at things the same since you preached that message series. Now, admittedly, this happens not as often as I would love it to, okay, but it does happen. And in the process of that, I think to myself, there were 125 people here that day, 150 people here that day. One person says, the message that everybody heard changed their life. I wish I could explain this. I wish I could make this happen. I wish I could say every time, this is what I'm going to preach because that's going to affect these 25 people in this dramatic and powerful and life-changing way. But y'all know it just doesn't happen like that. I wish it did. I wish I had a magic formula. I wish there was just this perfect way of doing it or saying it or putting it that would make everything change. But here is the truth. The truth is, is that until a heart is open and until the word of God meets the heart that God has opened, things don't change. They just kind of stay static. And sometimes you walk away and go, that was clever, or that was interesting, or I didn't know Pastor Randy had pink toenails on his scale. Whatever you say, you don't say, that changed my life. And this is a powerful reminder that ultimately our status with God is not anybody else's responsibility. It's ours. It is yours. It is mine. Wherever I stand with God, that's my decisions that have brought me to that place. I've even said in the past, this is not original. I stole it from somebody. You have all of God that you want in your life. As much, of you, as, much as you have today, he's there in that degree because that's what you want. His word tells us that if we will draw near to him, guess what he's going to do? He's going to draw near to us. And so we have all of God that we want in our life. If we're the ones who need more of him, it's because we need to reach towards him that has already been calling and drawing. Very quickly, this is the Gentile commission that Saul gets. He says, we all fell to the ground, every one of us. But I heard the voice and it changed the direction of my life. Whatever you hear that is from the Lord... Whatever you hear in the scriptures that we share, latch on to that because that is life-changing stuff. And if by chance that life-changing stuff flows into your life at the moment when your heart is ready to receive it, there is transformation that can be had. Like I'm here to promise you that God can change your life. He has done so in my life in dramatic ways. I try to share those. I'm not trying to go into that today, but I'm trying to tell you he can change your life in dramatic ways. And here's the big idea. Here's the big idea today. Your motivation to change diminishes every time you do not take action. 
I've been trying to get us to say these out loud together. And so I'm going to do that again today. I'm going to say it one more time, and then I'm going to ask you to join in with me. But your motivation to change diminishes every time you do not take action. Will y'all jump in and say it with me? Ready? Your motivation to change diminishes every time you do not take action. You guys know drug situations where you begin to take a drug and it helps you initially a lot, but the longer you take it, the more it becomes a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less effective. We've all seen that, right? We've all been there. I mean, even something as basic as acetaminophen or Tylenol or anything like Avil or ibuprofen, you take that every single day, your body will build up a tolerance. And here is the scary thing. As God speaks, you can also build up a tolerance because you haven't actually followed through on acting on it. The more you hear, the more you are likely to stay where you are, even though you've heard what you needed to change your life. It's a scary place. And so I share this with you because our motivation to change when we do not take action is something that we've got to be very careful about because once again, we're the ones in the life that we choose. Okay, so let's keep moving here and let's go to this next slide here if you don't mind. Uh, Let's go ahead and shift to the next one. Um, Okay, I tell you what, let's back up one from there if you don't mind. I've talked with you guys each week. We're going to change your mind and change your methods. Here's how you change your mind. Except that growth always equals change. Now, all change does not equal growth. But every time anybody grows, it's because they chose to see something change in their life. I don't know what it needs to be in your life that needs to change. But if you don't see anything changing in your life, then you're probably not actually growing. So this is a warning for you to not let that be true of you. And then um, I I, I misspelled this, but I said shift from an information (laughs) mindset to a transformation mindset. Like I said, I'm not very good at spelling. Sorry. Information mindset to a transformation mindset. Y'all look real close. There's another one on there that I misspelled. (sighs) Can we just have a moment of silence to pray for my spell check? This particular program does not have spell check. This is that moment on the scale with my pink toes where I realize I'm not good at spelling or I'm not good at typing or maybe both. I don't know. Here's the deal. You have to accept that growth equals change. You have to shift from the information mindset to the transformation mindset. And I want to be just very clear. I'm going to put up the next slide. I want you to see the picture. And then on the count of three, you guys tell me what you think of. Okay? So don't blurt it out. Just everybody give everybody a chance. Click to this next slide. Okay. (laughs) Don't blurt it out. Those of you who are at home, you're like, what? Yeah, somebody blurted it out. Jesus still loves them, though. So do I. (laughs) Here's the deal. How many of y'all thought of the thing that was just mentioned here today? Stock market. You saw that. You're like, stock market, right? Now, let me ask you a question. Look closely. How many times in there do you want to bail out of the stock market? I'm just curious because I see one, two, three, four, Five, at least five spots in there where I'm like, is there an exit door around in this stock market thing? Because <laughs> the truth is, as you look at this line, how many of you want to be in at the end if you got in at the beginning? You do, right? Because look, I mean, it's growth. You started off at that line. There's one, two, three, four, five, six lines of growth, whatever that looks like, whatever that stands for. You want to be in at the end, but at least five different times in the middle of that little stock market ride, it didn't feel like growth, but it was. In our lives, sometimes we're ready to throw in the towel because it doesn't feel like growth, but it is. Your life looks more like this than a beautiful straight line. Just doesn't work that way. That's not how growth works. How we grow is uneven, it's jagged, it's difficult. There are times where you don't see it, but it's happening. Have patience. Very quickly, how do you change your method? 
How do you change your method? You work on your exterior world, and this is what I would say two different ways. You do small acts of good on autopilot. How many of you have ever heard that old saying that kind of got started, especially when terrorism was a, a huge concern? If you see something, right, you remember it, right? If you see something, say something. Can I say this? If you see something that you like, say something. Like, if you want to see your world begin to change, if you see something that God is doing, say something. If you see something that you could praise someone for, say something. You see it, you say it. It's an autopilot. It's not like, I don't know if I want to say that to them. Because here's the problem for most of us. We're constantly checking this stuff back. And so we have all of these things that we should have said, but we didn't say. We have all of these things that we wish we'd done, but we didn't do. And we're constantly checking ourselves and finding reasons not to do it. But here's the deal. Just do it on autopilot. If something nice comes to your mind, let it come right out your mouth. Now, I, I will tell you that I've never met anybody in my life that I've known very personally that is better at making friends than my youngest daughter, Tatum. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This has always been the way she's been. Like everybody who's met her is a friend of hers in one way or another. I can't tell you how that happens. I think she's got a gift, but I also would say that one thing I notice about her is she'll walk in to a restaurant. She'll sit down with us and somebody will walk up and they'll say, I'm here to take your order. And she'll say, I love your hair. <laughs> Or she'll say, that color looks so cute on you. You know, just something. She's never met these people in her life. And yet she sees something, autopilot, she says something. Now, I, I know for some of you, this ain't you. I get it. But this is a way that you can grow and transform. These are the things that you just make the decision. It's a small act. It's not like, I'd like to share with you, I've written a small dissertation about how great your hair looks today. Nah, just like, like your hair. Now, let me just say, I would be careful if I were a man constantly complimenting women on autopilot. <laughs> be wise. Or if you're not going to be wise, don't blame it on me, because I just said be wise. But you know what I'm saying, don't you? I mean, like your kids, I mean, you're frustrated with your kids. I know I'm the only one who ever got frustrated with my kids, but your kids drive you crazy. And then you want to say something that they did good. And then you're like, yeah, but I'm mad at them. So I ain't going to say it. And as a dad who doesn't have any of his kids home anymore, you miss every one of those chances. Like you really do. You look back and go, man, I just should have just said that. Didn't mean that everything was okay. It didn't mean that they weren't on the wrong side of me right now, but you know, like, like growing up's not hard enough. And so somebody who's in their corner just doesn't say stuff that encourages them when who knows what they're going through. I'm just doing a little bit of me right now, I guess. You know, you guys understand what I'm saying? And so you change your methods. You get steadfast in community with people who bring out what is best in you and want what is best for you. Like you get serious about that community not being something that drifts. Instead, you encourage that and you say, even though it's hard, it's going to be easier to walk away. I'm staying because this is important. Now, very quickly, you could go way deep on this and I'm not going to do that, but you can look at the habit loop. This is from The Power of Habit by uh, Charles Duhigg. He talks about any way that you want to develop a good or stop a bad habit. You have the cue or trigger, you have the routine of what you do, and then you have the reward for doing what you were supposed to do. This is how you do it, and this is how you build momentum for change and transformation in your life. Now, very quickly, let me just talk about, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Personal transformation is a powerful testimony to everyone who is near you and everyone who is watching you. There's an old saying, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he should not depart from it. And I heard somebody say the best thing to do to train up a child in the way that they should go is go that way yourself. Because most of us, 
We're not taking full advantage. We are God's ambassador, and yet we're not seeing change in our own life. And we look at our children, or, or we look at our friends, or we look at our spouses, and we want them to change so our situations will change, but we never think about being the agent of change ourselves. And instead, Paul, who he stands before these people, he said, I had this experience, and I've just never, ever been the same. I realized I was spending my life kicking against the goads, doing more damage to myself than anything I was doing to the goad. And so I fell on my face and I gave my heart to the Lord. I was baptized into his name. And then this is so important. I want to just jump down to where Paul got to work. If you read and look at what Paul did, he got up from the receiving his sight. He said immediately something fell like scales from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got up. He was baptized. He did something. An obedient act to God. And then he took some food, which I think that's a beautiful spiritual thing to do. And then he regained his strength. And then Paul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, that community that we were talking about. And then at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus was the Son of God. Now let me ask you a question. What? Paul can't do that. He can't go out there and preach. Why not? God already told him what he had in store for him. God already told him, you're going to be an ambassador. You're going to be one who carries my name to those who will listen to you, the Gentiles and the Jews alike. And he does all of this stuff, not because somebody told him to, but because God moved and he moved with God. When God is moving, move with him. The problem for most of us is that we get too comfortable staying where we are and not in this transformation mindset of, you know what, if God moves, I move. If God lays something on my heart, I listen. If God says to do something, even when it's hard, that's what I will choose to do. And if you haven't figured this out, Jesus identifies the wise and the foolish builders in Matthew. Those of you who are at our Wednesday night Bible study, I shared with you, I was going to share this. Here we are. I want you to listen because the truth is, is that we talk about the wise and the foolish builders. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And I'm not going to sing the song, although there's something in me that wants to. For some of you who grew up in Sunday school, here's the deal. What is a wise man and what is a foolish man? This is, the, this is so important that we miss so many times. We think it's education. We think it's information, but it is not. It is transformation that God says makes us wise or foolish. The truth is, is that wisdom, wise, wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. In other words, if you know to do good, do it. If you know what you ought to do, do it. If you know what's killing you, stop it. Like it's not hard, it's just hard right? It's not hard to know what to do. It's just hard to actually follow through and do it. And twice in this passage of scripture, Christ says, you're a fool if you don't do this, but you're incredibly wise if you actually do live the principles that I'm teaching you. And so for all of us, let's be wise. Why in the world will we choose to be foolish? Instead, let's embrace the wisdom. Now, very quickly, I want to share with you, and I even mentioned this in the, um, in the Facebook post. I wanted to talk about this very quickly. What are you missing out on? This is your inside out moment, the inside coming out. What are you constantly missing out on if you choose not to act when God is moving in your life? Here's what it is. You're missing out on moments that can be powerful moments of change or even at very least really good memories. You're missing out on motivation because every time you say no, the big idea is this. Every time you say no, it's easier to say no the next time. And then you're also missing out on momentum. The truth of the matter is, is that for all of us, we know what it's like. We started off small, but we kind of kept churning and kept going and got real momentum in our relationship, got real momentum in our financial life. This always happens. It always happens for us. And this is what you're missing out on. And I want to just draw one bit of attention to this. Momentum helps you to take advantage of the moments 
and have more motivation. And motivation has more advantage of the moment. You know, this is all feeding itself. And let me just ask you real quickly, would your marriage be better if you had more good moments to think on and reflect on? I mean, if you said, you know what, babe, you look pretty today. You look good. Shelly, you know what? You look good today. And like, that's good. That's positive. Like that's ever going to get me in trouble? No, it's not. And then it motivates me. You know what? That's the guy I want to be. And then it, it, it causes momentum. And, you know, she's like, oh, baby, you used to say that when we were 19. That's so sweet. And I'm like, okay. I'm kind of like motivated. Got a little momentum in the relationship, right? This is how it goes in her marriage. What about with your kids? You can take it that way. What about with your work? Take it the same way. You take advantage of the moment. You begin with more motivation and the momentum grows. All of this stuff, it's just right there for you. And it's a cycle that improves and transforms your life in little small pieces. But what do we do most of the time? We're like, I'm not going to do that. That's somebody else's job. I'm not going to do that. If I do that, then they're going to expect me to do it every single time. No, they won't. No, they won't. It's the excuse that you've said to keep yourself in the comfort zone and keep yourself from listening to the motivation that God's put in your heart to be different and better, and you're telling yourself something that's not actually true. I want to go back to the alarmed app. I, I think it's important for us to know very quickly, go out there and get a free app on your iPhone or Android and just get real serious about actually making a change. I believe you can even see this one, the One Minute Pause app. That's been awesome for me. I love that thing. And here's the truth. This right here, I, I've encouraged people to do this because what I've told people is, look, hey, you got a reminder to do the important stuff every single day. And you know what I had somebody tell me? I don't really like too much on my phone. <laughs> And so I thought to myself, okay, sometimes it's my job to be the jerk. And so here I go. How dumb is it for you to accept a worse life because you don't like too many things on your calendar? Like, that's kind of dumb. But here's the great news. Get this app. It doesn't even cross over. Do that one for the important stuff like send a text to my kids or let the alarm thing go off and say, you know what, read the scriptures today or whatever it might be because the truth of the matter is is that we've got built-in ways to be reminded of what's important. All it takes is maybe three minutes to download that thing and put the things in there that you actually want to see changed. It's actual action, transformation, not information. That's all that it takes. And then the momentum continues to grow. All right, very quickly, I'm, I'm ending. I'm ending here. Big question is this. Here's the big question. Have you become caught up in grand intentions but left out the smallest actions and left them undone? I'm just going to say something very quickly. I'm going to skip my normal, the thing that I was planning on doing at the end. I'm just going to, I'm going to tackle this. You're going to say, Randy, you are not a smart man, but I'm going to just explain something to you. For years and years and years and years, I went down to Mexico every December 28th. You may be going, oh, congratulations and la-ti-da. I have no idea why that's important. Here's why it was important. December 28th is my anniversary. Randy, you are not a smart man. We would go to Mexico, we'd do the things that we were doing with the kids and all that stuff. I have a great wife, don't try this without this, all right? A great wife is absolutely critical. But I have always believed with all of my heart that I have tried my best to treat with dignity and love and honor and respect the wife that I have 364 days out of the year. And I have always believed that if we celebrate a day or two later, that doesn't change things for us because she knows where my heart is. I believe with all of my heart that most of us are looking for this grand gesture instead of making it a transformation mindset where every single day you do something that does more and more and more of your life turned over to the Lord and becoming more of what you, he wants you to be. 
more of his ambassador in all of those ways. So instead of waiting for this grand gesture, instead of waiting for that one special day, instead of waiting for that perfect sermon or, oh, they sang all four of my favorite songs today. The Lord was moving because they sang those four in that order. Like, why do we do that? Why do we need that? Because we want to work ourselves up to something. We want it to splash on us and jump on us and take us by storm. The truth is, is that probably for you and me, we've got as much of God as we want, and we probably need a whole lot more. And it's not because of him playing hide and seek. It's because we don't have the desire and we don't have the discipline to say, you know what, enough of the playing games. I need to be better. I need to be better for my wife and husband. I need to be better for my kids. I need to be better for my coworkers. I need to be better for my community. I need to be better for my church. I need all of these things to happen. And all of it happens with God's help and his help alone. Very quickly, here's your I apply by, and then I'm going to have you guys come on up. Commit to spiritual growth in both your mind and your methods. That means all growth is change. And you commit to the small acts, not to wait for the big, perfect one. Instead, you wait for the uh, you do the small ones and let the momentum build. So very quickly, I'm going to begin a prayer, and then I'm going to have the band come forward. They're going to lead us in a song that just focuses us back on the fact that God has no rival, no equal, and that He is the powerful name that changes our life if we allow Him to. Heavenly Father, may we be dissatisfied with where we are in our spiritual life. May we not let other things or other people be the reasons and the excuses that we have, that we've placed in our life, that keep us from actually making a move towards you. Here's what we know, God. We know that you are with us and that you want better for us. May we submit ourselves to you in every way possible. So very quickly, I'm, I'm ending. The band's going to sing in just a quick moment. But I want to just ask for all of us to remain in a, in, a, in a mode of worship. And I've prayed for you, but maybe now is your chance, your moment to speak directly to God. You don't need me to do that. You need to do that. You need to say, God... I've kind of left you on the sidelines. Not because I thought that was a great idea, but it just happened. Would you just talk to the Lord and invite him back in as a daily participant in your life? May he once again take the, the throne in your life and mine. Let's talk to him for just a brief moment and ask him to be blessing and working in us.